Good morning and welcome to Nature Watch. Nature Watch brought to you by Waddell's Nursery Floral Garden and Bird Center at the corner of Millam and 12th Street, right there in the roundabout. Now here he is, your host for Nature Watch, Gary Miller. Good morning, sir. Good morning. So How much, are you? Good. Much easier commute than last Saturday. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> I, uh, I, I, yeah, it was uh, a little, uh, little, it was a better trip. I mean, it was still cold, yeah, but so you cold. could say it was mostly clear, and you see stars, and I see sunshine now. So, yeah, a little, you know. quite a bit of red in the in the sky this morning. So yeah. we'll see if uh, the old adage, the adage which, uh, comes to yeah, comes to roost. <laughs> oh, oh, it but, looks like the weather is going to warm up this next week. We might have almost like spring-like temperatures towards the end of the week. Well, it's my understanding that we might actually see some rain, and I yes, know it, some people that are are ready for a, some of the snow to disappear. And I'm yes. guessing if it's warm enough and and it does rain. Um, I'm just hoping that if it does rain for whatever reason, it takes that washboard effect off the roads. Yes, yes. You know, so that when you're driving on them, at, at least they're like flat, instead yeah. of jarring my teeth loose all the whole the whole way there. Yeah. So actually, quite a few of the roads are pretty clear, at least in this part of the yeah the main roads. The, are, the main are, ones are. are, are um, really yeah, those back shape. roads are still uh, sort yeah. of washboardy. And again, uh, if you're going towards the lakeshore, you want to make sure that you're uh, prepared because about the time you get. I'm going to guess uh, right around, um, I would say, the Pipestone yes. Drive or Pipe. It's exit like 29, 27, Napier Avenue and Pipestone and, and that. Once you get down in that area, you're probably going to get the white stuff. And then as you go around uh, on uh, 94, it's it's going to get heavier. So just beware. Yeah, you can see that bank of clouds of that uh, lake effect snow uh, to the west this morning. Oh, so. Yes. It, yep. uh, and, and I guess we're glad we're not at the south end of Lake Michigan. Uh, they <laughs> really got true. dumped on yesterday. Still getting dumped on. Yeah. Uh, so, a lot of snow down there. Oh, well, these things happen. So what are we going to talk about today, sir? Uh, well, a few things. Um, got a couple of uh, events coming up. Um, mm-hmm. I mentioned the Waddell's Green Thumb Club, uh, Club Series again. And uh, actually, uh, today, uh, if you uh, haven't signed up yet. I know we're limited uh, with some of the spaces and some of those. So if you're interested in any of those talks, go to Waddell's.com. Um, I'm doing a talk on landscaping with native plants for pollinators today. Oh, very cool. And uh, uh, that I know quite a few of those seminars are, uh, are are filling up. So register beforehand if you're planning to attend. And uh, go to go to Waddell's.com. There's all sorts of uh, Neat topics. I know next Saturday there's one, a squirrel, a deer, and a chipmunk walking through your backyard. <laughs> uh, so how to, yeah. how to deal with those pesky, uh, those pests that uh, sometimes you don't want in the yard. And, uh, you know, the, uh, the bird, birds really were active this week, especially after that snow let up. Uh, I know in my, my feeders, the birds just, like they were waiting for that snow to stop and the wind. Uh, they were like, we're hungry, we're going to yeah. eat. And uh, they had a lot of birds around the, the bird feeders. The uh, other thing I want to mention is, is uh, tomorrow is a special day. It's National Squirrel Appreciation Day. They have a day for that? Yes, they do. Uh-huh. So, um, so yes, Alvin and his friends will be celebrating National <laughs> Squirrel Appreciation Day, too. Chipmunks are actually ground squirrels, says Casey Bell, a Peter Buck postdoctoral fellow at the Smithsonian's National Museum of Natural History. Some squirrels, the Arctic ground squirrel, for example, can lower their body temperature below freezing when they hibernate, but somehow they do not turn into ice blocks, Bell explains. These squirrels spend eight months of the year in the longest and deepest hibernation of any animal on Earth. During this time, their core body temperature drops to a staggering 26.7 degrees Fahrenheit, almost five degrees below the freezing point of water. Despite this, ground squirrel blood remains liquid most likely through a phenomenon 
phenomenon known as supercooling. Brr. <laughs> um, in 2001, wildlife rehabilitation specialist Christy Hargrove founded Squirrel Appreciation Day in Asheville, North Carolina. Christy created this day to encourage kind attitudes toward our bushy-tailed neighbors by setting out food and water for squirrels and even allowing them to play with the bird feeder you normally don't want them touching. So some Squirrel Appreciation Day activities, and that again is tomorrow, the 21st. Mm -hmm. You can build a squirrel obstacle course. And I don't know if you've ever seen any of the videos. Oh, the videos are hilarious. Oh, those are hilarious. And the squirrels are very smart. They, yes, they, they are. They do a good job of... So you, you can try to try to combat the squirrels and keep them away from your feeders. They're going to figure it out at some point. You might as well have some fun. And uh, maybe in these warmer temperatures, you can build that super obstacle course for the squirrels to get mm. some food. And uh, might as well feed them while they're there. They're going to eat anyway, so might as yeah. well try <laughs> to save uh, some of that bird seed for the birds and... Uh, Feed the squirrels. So build that squirrel obstacle course. Want to do something really fun? Dress up your dog as a squirrel. Oh. Take some photos. So people like dressing up their dogs. Something fun to do. I'm not sure that our dog would allow us. Yeah. So some she, dogs might not like it. We don't even mention the S word around the house <laughs> because she goes, she'll go crazy and go right to the window. Well, so that actually brings up the third one that okay. the third topic that you the thing you can do for Squirrel Appreciation Day. Say the word squirrel a lot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah. you can have some fun with that. Uh, so some neat activities for uh, for National Squirrel Appreciation Day. Uh -huh. Some other holidays tomorrow. I mean, all these days have all sorts of days. Tomorrow is Museum Selfie Day. Okay. And National Hugging Day. Oh. Besides National Squirrel Appreciation Day. So if you really want to hit all three at once, go to a museum, take a selfie, Hug a squirrel and take to have the squirrel on the selfie too. There you, you go. Do all three of them at once. <laughs> Celebration all in one. There you go. Okay. Well, that's cool. So, got to appreciate those furry critters. So uh, I, I'm going to throw out the trivia question because it might be a little difficult this morning. Um, we'll see. So of I, getting ready for my pollinator talk today, I ran across this little interest, interesting fact, and uh, so we'll see how many people are, are familiar with uh, pollinator host species. Genus. Mm -hmm. So, of known North America plants, what plant genus is host to the most Lepidoptera, the butterfly moth species? Okay. So, again, of known North America plants, mm -hmm. what plant genus is host to the most Lepidoptera species? Okay, and that's the butterfly moth. And butterflies and moths. Okay. And uh, I thought it was interesting that they worded it known North American plants. Uh -huh. um, I guess it could be that one unknown plant that we don't know. And we have there's a lot of uh, unknowns with uh, the butterfly and moth larvae as far as what they feed on. Uh -huh. um, most butterflies and moths feed on numerous plants. So there may be another plant out there that they're not aware of that actually feeds more than what uh, this genus does. Okay. But uh, it uh, might be interesting. There's, a, there's a, several um, genus of plants in North America, the native plants, that actually – are host plants for a lot of butterfly and moth larvae. Okay. But I'm looking for the one that has the most. The most. So we'll see if uh, how, how many uh, butterfly and moth uh, aficionados are out there oh, this morning. All right. Well, you know the number 382-4280 or 877-382-4280. And once again, Gary and I have to put out the uh, word there. He and I are the only ones here. And Jim's so, the only one with the and telephone. And I'm the only one with the <laughs> telephone. So when you call in, I will pick up the receiver and then immediately put you on hold. I am not hanging up on you. So if, if you call, uh, you'll hear the receiver pick up, and then you'll get put on hold, and then we will take your phone call. 
uh, to find out if you know the answer to the question, which is, once again... Of known North American plants, what plant genus is host to the most Lepidoptera, the butterfly moth species? There we go. All right. So... Uh, again, 382-4280-877-382-4280. The prize up for grabs is a $20 gift card at Waddell's, and uh, you can use that for bird supplies or you can uh, put oh, in for squirrel, squirrel supplies squirrel you know. supplies, or, you know, whatever you want. Um, hopefully they didn't hang up. Uh, so we have a call. Let's see. They hung up. Huh. Now, okay. Before you even had a chance I'm, to say hello. I'm, I'm gonna I'm, in, I'm gonna mention this again. Okay, <laughs> I'm gonna pick the receiver up and I'm gonna put you on hold immediately. So don't hang up on me. Hopefully, here we go. Okay, <laughs> let's see if we see if we can hold this one here. Let's uh, let's take our first caller. Good morning and welcome to Nature Watch. Who is this? Good morning. My name is Gay. Hi, Gay. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Well, I'm upright and breathing, and the sun's shining, and Gary's in a good mood. We're all pretty good here. Hey, we're the same way here. There you go. All right. So you know the question. Which uh, plant genus is host to the most butterfly moth? Butterfly moth. Yeah. So do you know? I'm wondering if it's asters. Ooh. That's a good that's a good answer. Oh, that's actually that's a good answer, but it's not the it's correct not one. The, not the oh. one we're looking for. Well, that's all right. Uh, you can try again. So uh, think about it and then give us a call back, okay? Okay. All right. Thank you. Thanks. Uh-huh, bye-bye. Bye-bye. I think that the second caller, that was their answer too because they hung up. <laughs> <laughs> so, they didn't have their radio turned down yet either. Yeah, or, yeah that too. And, and when you do call us, uh, make sure your radio is, is, is turned down. So I actually, when Gary told me the answer, I went, huh. That really yeah. kind of surprised me. Not something you typically think of. No, it wasn't. Um, I had something totally else. I, I was mind. actually surprised when I ran across the fact too, and and uh, actually the top three plants uh, um, was actually very surprising. Okay. Well, I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you another hint because I'll, I'll tell you the answer that I said. I said milkweeds, and that is not the answer. No, it's not. So you know it's not aster, and you know it's not milkweed. Yeah. So, so the asters, you know, milkweed are really known for monarch larvae, uh-huh. but there are some other species that feed on uh, milkweed. Not a whole lot. Yeah. Um, asters are actually quite a few species that feed on asters. Oh, wow. Um, and they're, asters are neat because they're one of those late-blooming plants. Mm-hmm. So a lot of those pollinators looking for nectar and pollen, pollen um, have that feeding uh, opportunity late in the season. Okay. And uh, especially for those butterfly and moth that, that um, migrate. Mm. Okay. Um, but even the ones that stay around the area, they get that last feeding. And uh, so asters are a neat uh, native plant to to All have right. uh, in the yard. Well, we got another caller. Let's see if we can get a correct answer here. Good morning. Welcome to Nature Watch. Who's this? This is Marilyn. Hi, Marilyn. How are you? A little bit of a cold, but otherwise very fine. Oh, Thank well, you. there we go. All right. So do you know the answer to the question? I do not, but I'm going to give it a try. Okay. I'm thinking it might be oak. Oh, that ding, is ding, correct. Ding, 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 ding. Very wow. good. Wow. Hey. Hey. I, went, I so, read a book. <laughs> yeah, so, so I was actually actually surprised when I, when I was reading this Um Oak genus, native oaks, ho- are host to 534 species of butterfly and moth. Wow. That's 534. That's crazy. I mean, and that's a lot. That, that's a, the most of any known North American plant. Huh. The uh, Somewhat not too far behind that are the native cherry plums, the Prunus genus. They're host to 456. Native willows, the Salix um, genus are a host of 455. Wow. So those trees that we typically don't think of being there for pollinators are actually there for pollinators. Yeah. Yes. And uh, so we get a lot of a lot of species that uh, 
that feed on those trees with their larvae. And interesting, with, with the larvae feeding on those leaves on those trees, they provide food for birds. Oh, wow. So Very birds cool. eat some of the larvae. And uh, they, uh, so it's sort of a, a whole ecosystem with uh, nature sort of taking care of itself. And uh, usually, uh, most times, those larvae don't do significant damage on a tree because tree has a lot of leaves. There are some exceptions when we get those uh, spongy moth, formerly known as the gypsy moth. Yeah. Um, those, those can get uh, can actually decimate a tree. Tent caterpillars can do a lot of damage on a tree. So here's a tie-in for you, Gary. We have the squirrels to help us plant more oak trees. <laughs> yeah, yes. that's true. <laughs> That is true. They, yeah, they, they, uh, they, they do that, and so the pollinators are, are they'll be celebrating Happy Squirrel Day too tomorrow. So yes, there you go. that'll be good. Well, see, you read a book, you got the right answer, and uh, you're the our winner this week. Congratulations, uh, Marilyn. I'm going to put you on hold for a second or two, and then I'll be right back with you to get your information, and we'll mail your prize to you. Okay. Thank you. All right, fantastic. Congratulations, Congratulations to Marilyn. Uh, so we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about. Some, some winter bird myths and facts. Oh, there we go. All right. Well, we'll be right back here with Nature Watch on 591 FM WKZO. Did you know Squirrel Appreciation Week is going on now? Squirrels provide entertainment that is all natural, rated G, full of comedy, and doesn't even require any electricity. And Waddell's Nursery Florist and Garden Center has just what you need to enjoy squirrel entertainment, including feeders, food, bungees, and more. Squirrels love corn, and corn on the cob keeps them busy for a long time. The Corn Caddy Squirrel Feeder holds an ear of corn or fruit or suet and is on sale for $6.98 at Waddell's. To fill it up, get the 40-pound box of ear corn for $24.99. You save $3. Waddell's also has locally made cedar squirrel feeders, the entertaining Cobbs a twirl feeder, chain feeders, and more. Enjoy the unplugged live squirrel entertainment today and let the squirrels in your life know you appreciate them during Squirrel Appreciation Week. Going on now through next Wednesday at Waddell's Nursery Florist and Garden Center on Texas Drive at the corner of Millam and 12th Street. Got to learn to hang up the phone here. So, <laughs> Marilyn said hi because she is a, co- a former co-worker of yours. Oh, okay. So I, I, thought, I thought she sounded yeah, familiar. Yeah, sounded familiar. So congratulations again to Marilyn. And again, the answer to the question is oak. That was the uh, answer. That's the genus of plant that uh, supports oh, or is the host, host, host of the most. Or yeah, that's uh, fantastic. So, uh, so we're going to go. Oh, by the way, WKZO News Time is uh, 847. So we're going to talk about... Bird myths, myths and, and facts about the cold weather. Okay. So do birds get cold? Some that bird, is a good question. Some birders they? worry winter birds will freeze on cold nights or in bird baths. When it comes to winter birds, it seems they're even more myths than usual. So, one, birds will freeze to death when temperatures drop far below zero. In fact, that's a myth. In winter, bird, winter birds will fluff up their feathers to trap body heat. Birds are well-equipped to survive the coldest of temperatures. They store fat during the short days of winter to keep themselves warm during the long nights. During those freezing nights, they fluff their feathers to trap heat and slow their metabolism to conserve energy. A bird's body temperature remains approximately 105 degrees even in winter, so they keep themselves very warm. They also look for good places to roost, whether it's a birdhouse, a natural tree cavity, grass thicket, evergreen, or shrub. And uh, this time of year, especially with the cold weather, 
you're out refilling those bird feeders out and you've got some evergreens around, you can hear and see those birds going in and out of those, uh, those trees and those evergreens. They, they like that protection. Those evergreens give them a lot of protection from wind and cold and adds a little sort of insulation uh, to help them stay warmer. And uh, it's interesting with some of those tree cavities, some researchers have actually documented 100-plus birds roosting in a single tree cavity. Wow. And not just the one same type of birds. The birds will tolerate each other just because it's cold out. They're going to stay, hey, we're, we're all here in this together. We're going to stay warm. And uh, they drop into that uh, hypothermic state to save energy. Another one, robins always fly south for winter. And we know yeah. that's not, not true. That's a myth again. We see robins year-round. They don't get cold in winter either, but they change their eating habits. So typically they eat a lot of insects in the, in the summertime. They will actually change to eating more seed, and sometimes they'll find some of those overwintering bugs under tree bark and that. So the robins do stay around. I've seen robins every month of the year. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. So not, not, not a sign of spring when we see those robins come back. Um, I always like sharing... Um, Joe Johnson, when he's still alive at the Kellogg Bird Sanctuary, shared quite a few years ago, the bird to watch for in the spring are the vultures. Oh, okay. If you think about vultures, they don't have any feathers on their head. They don't like getting their heads cold. So when the vultures come north, typically, it's going to stay war- warmer than it had been. And once in a while, they get caught, but they're usually pretty close. Spring's just around the corner when you see those vultures appear again. Um Another myth, you should take birdhouses down in winter because birds don't use them and other creatures will move in. So actually on cold days, birds will roost in those nest boxes. And uh, those make great um, roosting houses. Sometimes um, you know, might want to clean those out in the fall so they're clean, so they actually have maybe leave a little material in there, but the, those birds will actually uh, will roost in there. Um, one photographer actually once uh, even snapped a picture of 13 male bluebirds in a single house. Wow. So they were getting, getting that mass of uh, numbers in there to stay warm. Another myth, if you leave town, the birds that rely on your feeders will die. Actually, research has proven this wrong. Scientists have shown that chickadees, for example, will eat only 25% of their daily winter food from feeders. They find the other 75% out in the wild. And with so many people feeding birds nowadays, birds will simply fly to a nearby neighbor's yard to get their food until you return home. Another myth, birds' feet will stick to metal bird feeders and suet cages. Well, suet cages typically are covered in vinyl to prevent winter birds' feet from sticking, but bird feet are pretty tough anyway. So the birds actually, um, their feet can endure that cold weather. They have a protective scale-like covering on their feet and special veins and arteries that keep their feet warm. Another interesting one, not in this part of the country, but all hummingbirds migrate south for the winter, another myth. So Anna's hummingbirds, and they're out on the west coast, actually stay, they migrate south, but they don't go all the way south. Um, they actually stay in their breeding grounds, and uh, there's actually, I've seen some photos with the hummingbird with snow on the plants, and the hummingbirds perched on a branch, so... Uh, Sort of interesting. Uh, Birds always migrate in flocks, and we've talked about that before. Um, Many birds, although they migrate in flocks, there are quite a few that migrate alone. Um, Probably the most interesting one are the juvenile hummingbirds. They've never migrated before, yet they know where to fly, how to 
when to fly, how far to fly, and when to stop. And it does this all alone. So not all birds do it. Go in groups. Uh, migration means north in the spring and south in the winter. Not always. Um, some of the birds will actually change elevation. So when you get out in some more elevation-prone areas, like in the mountains and that, birds that are up in the upper elevations in the summertime will just come down to lower elevations for the winter. So they don't go move very far. And uh, so they still stay in that area. Uh, another myth that I ran across was uh, peanut butter will get stuck in birds' throats and they will choke. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard that one. Actually, peanut butter is a very nourishing food for birds, especially in winter when the production of fat is important of, to their survival. Um, that simply isn't true that, that, that peanut butter will stick. Um, another one, American goldfinches are bright yellow year-round, and in fact, we know that's not true. Uh, the uh, goldfinches lose their bright yellow plumage in the fall and then replace them with feathers that are a dull brownish-green. So a lot of times people don't recognize the birds in the winter, even though duller colored birds are still at the feeders. They assume that their, quote, wild canaries have migrated south for winter. And we've talked about this one, too. Woodpeckers peck on houses, house siding in winter for food or to create nesting cavities. Uh, that's not true because they uh, actually using that as a sounding board. And usually almost all that pecking in late winter is done to make noise to court mates. It's also their way of, of singing a song to declare territory. Uh, bird bath. So if you have water in a bird bath when the temperature is below freezing, birds will freeze to death from wet feathers. No need to worry about uh, winter birds getting cold in bird baths. They avoid getting their feathers wet. Birds will drink from a heated bird bath, but if the temperature is well below freezing, they will not bathe in it and get their feathers wet. If you're still worried, offer warm water to drink, but make it too don't, don't make it too deep or inaccessible for the birds to bathe in. And uh, so some neat facts about birds. A um, couple other um, little tidbits of information about winter bird facts. In 2013, Project Snowstorm began collecting data on snowy owl movements. Hmm. And to date, the project has monitored nearly 100 individual owls. And I was just reading... Um, uh, a little information from, uh, I believe it was Audubon Society, that some of the habitat of the snowy owls and with the our weather changing and our climate warming up a little bit, some of that habitat that we've seen for the snowy owls de has de decreased considerably. So we're not seeing as many of them around in so many locations. So they're sort of concerned about that with that global warming and just a few degrees difference has really affected the snowy owls. Um Clark's nuthatch, or nut, nuthatch um, actually cache food. Um, they carry 100 or more pine nuts at a time in specialized pouches under their tongues. So that's a lot of... A lot of food to carry around. That's a, that's a mouthful. Yeah, literally, um, yeah. Wow, yeah, literally. Uh, another um, interesting thing, rough grouse will dive into snow to stay warm. And I think we've seen some of those in some of the nature shows and that, that we've seen rough grouse or fox trying to catch one, and they come out of those snow banks. Uh, their snow caves maintain temperatures of 20-plus degrees, no matter how cold the air temperature drops. So all that air in the snow, it uh, really uh, insulates them. And uh, so, it, uh, so I had a funny thought this last week for those chemists out there that are listening. So sort of a philosophical question. So my, my, my statement's going to be all snow is light snow. It isn't heavy snow. 
Okay. Because if it's heavy snow, it would have to be made out of heavy water. <laughs> and then uh, be valuable. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. All, all my uh, chemist friends out there. Um, you can have yeah. a chuckle about that one. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> it's pretty funny. But uh, yeah, it was, it's interesting to see, uh, you know, all that snow blowing around, and it was hard to see in different times. I know in some parts of the state, we're still seeing that, along, especially along the lakeshore this morning. And uh, it, uh, it's always nice to see all that bird activity after those storms. Um, so if we have another forecasted storm coming in before the storm, make sure you get those feeders filled. Birds will, will sort of... Uh, Get stocked up yeah, on that I, fat I, and food. I um, noticed that before before the storm hit, the, the feeder was just packed. Yeah, so that's busy, usually busy. that's usually one of those signs that nature gives us too. Uh, that's always a way to prove that the mother man was correct. Yeah, and yes, there is a storm coming in because the birds know. The birds know, and uh, they're going to really uh, get really active on those feeders before the storm, and then hopefully that'll tide them through till the storm's finished, and they'll, they'll come back, and you'll see all that bird activity too. Yeah, and then they we actually saw a. a a good amount of bird activity too during the storm itself, but they were sitting a lot. A few of them were sitting in our tree. We have a, a, a magnolia tree outside the the window where the the birds uh, bird feeders are, and some of them were sitting in the tree to get protection. Oh yes, um, yes. Because you know, even though there's no leaves there, it still you know protects them somewhat. And uh, yeah, it was it was interesting. Yeah, and they, because they don't get really cold, and they can fluff their feathers up unless it's um, so windy and hard to see. Most times, you'll see a few birds still getting active around those feeders. Yeah, um, that's actually one of the reasons why I, I know I mentioned before uh, we have a cut Christmas tree every year, and mm-hmm. so after Christmas, I put a T post, metal fence post, out there, and I tie the tree to it. Actually, sort of slide it over the post, and tie it, and uh, near the bird feeder, so. Um, with, with that extra cover and protection, oh, yeah. it's sort of an evergreen, even though it's dried out. Um, that adds some extra protection for them. One of my favorite bird feeder activities is watching the grackles try to hold on to the uh, suet feeder and fall. Yes, yes. I, I really enjoy that. And actually, our squirrel, we found a squirrel that has figured out how to jump off the tree onto the, but a couple of times he slid down and hit the ground. I think they're getting smarter and they're just eating what's on the ground. Yeah, you know, they, they do that do because uh, some of the birds knock some of the stuff out, so they get they, that. But uh, yeah. they, they will actually um, give them enough time, they'll figure out how they'll to get to that They'll figure out how feeder. to get to it. Oh, yeah. They, they, yeah. they get very creative in trying to solve all those. Uh, hey, how am I going to get to that feeder today? So one more time, really quickly, how do we register for the activities at Waddell's? So, so go to Waddell's.com, mm-hmm. um, go to the events, and uh, there's actually the Green Thumb Club. You can sign up and you can see all the different classes that are offered. Okay. Um, most of those classes I know are going to be offered again uh, at our Spring Expo in March. Okay. And uh, so you can be, if you happen to miss them or the class is full, there's going to be another opportunity to, to see some of those classes or most of them. All right. All right. You want to do this again next week? Well, we'll try and do it next week. We'll we see are. how the weather we'll holds up. We'll see how the weather here. holds up. Yes, indeed. Well, thanks for coming in, Gary, and uh, have yourself a wonderful week. Well, it was and nice seeing the sunshine yes, this morning. Yes, it is. And you're going to see it again when you walk outside. Yes. <laughs> and we will uh, we will talk to you again next week, sir. So get outside and enjoy the outdoors. There you go. Thanks for listening to this edition of Nature Watch. Tune in each and every Saturday after 830 for Nature Watch, brought to you by Waddell's Nursery Floral Garden and Bird Center. At the corner of Milliman 12th Street, up next, CBS Local News, and then the American Outdoorsman here on 590-1069-FM, WKZO. One other quick thing, go Lions!